Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Good morning. May I add my welcome to David's? My name is Will. I'm the assistant minister here. Um, we're carrying on our series through the book of Ephesians this morning. So if you please take up your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Our Bibles are either on the windowsills or in front of you or um, upstairs. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. That's page 976. Or 1,160 in the large print. So let's listen to God's words to us. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached to you who were far off And peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. Uh, Now I don't know about you, but seeing our brothers and sisters in Ukraine uh, praying has been intensely moving uh, this week. Uh, our, our hearts are pulled to them. We, we're one family with them. Uh, we long to help. There's a, there's a deep unity, uh, and we know it. Uh, there's a oneness that, that binds us uh, together. And today we're going to see why, why that is so. Because uh, we know oneness, it's something that strikes us uh, and is important to us. And it's in a lot of areas of our life. Last week, um, uh, Mary and I went to hear the, the Royal Scottish National Orchestra in the music hall. It was amazing, not only just experiencing uh, live music again, but the, the quality, the beauty, hearing, hearing different instruments from the, the flute to the violin, from bassoon to double bass, such 
different sounds and yet creating such uh, beautiful music. There's, there's something glorious, isn't there, of a, a group of people doing different things to create a single whole. Whether it's uh, different instruments performing a symphony or, I don't know, eight, eight rowers gliding a boat with a, a single sweep uh, of many blades. There's, there's oneness, distinct people, different gifts, different strengths. Uh, and yet one. And it's not just in hobbies. We love oneness in our lives. The unity of friends, of family, the, the oneness of I don't know, national or, or city identity. But instead of oneness, we're, we're often experiencing division. We, we experience fracturing and splitting. But we long for it. We long for oneness and for unity. And it's because God's oneness permeates our lives. The great commandment of Deuteronomy said this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as one God, he has a plan for unity. If you remember chapter 1, verse 10, it's a verse we keep coming uh, back to. God's plan for the fullness of time, what is it? To unite, to unite all things in him, in Jesus Christ. As oneness And we started to see that unity, that oneness, is through a people. That's what we've seen over the last few weeks. God's church who are in Jesus. If you remember 1 verse 18, we we saw God's one possession, his inheritance, the saints. His people, they're they're saved in chapter 2 by being made alive in Christ. If you remember that two weeks ago, it was two resurrections. First Jesus and then us with him. But if that's all true, if the the Ephesians, who uh, Paul's writing to, are God's true people, his inheritance made alive in Jesus, how does that fit with the Jews, God's people? Now you may not think that's, that's much of an issue, but if the Ephesians are now God's people, are there two peoples of God? Are there the Jews and the Christians? But if God is one, if he's uniting all things in Jesus then there can't be two. Everything that Paul says has said up till this moment could fall apart right now. You may not feel the tension, but that there is one. All of the blessings and the unity in Christ could mean nothing if actually there's two, not one. Well, Paul uh, is going to lead us through that. First of all, he wants us to remember something to help us here. He wants us to remember this, that without Christ... We're separated. Without Christ, separated. This passage splits into three. Verses 11 and 12, we, got, we get what the Ephesians were. Verse uh, 11, remember that at one time, he's looking back. Then verse 13, we get a but now. We see what's changed. And then verse 19, Paul goes, so uh, then. Um, we, we, we get Paul's implications of it all. So first, let's go back to verse 11 and 12. Therefore remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, that is the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Okay, so, so Paul's saying, you Ephesians... You are not Jews. Okay? You were, were not part of the historic na- race and nation of, of people. You're Gentiles. And as Gentiles, you're utterly alienated from God and from his people. He says later on, you were far off. 
Now, there was a massive distance between, between you Ephesians and God and you and God's people. Uh, they're on earth in a sense, uh, um, and, and you were in Neptune, utterly separated, a vast gulf sitting between you. One person summarized these verses as saying they were Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. It's a pretty severe situation, isn't it? Why? Because the Jews, they were the opposite. Do you notice they had the commonwealth? In other words, the kingdom, the rule of God. They had the covenants of promise. Remember God's words to Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. What a promise, I will be God to you. This gave the Jews hope. They knew God was going to make a new heavens and a new earth. They knew God was going to restore the kingdom uh, and make a light to the Gentiles. They were God's possession, his glory, and they knew that Christ was going to come to them. This was God's one people, always just one people. You, the Gentiles, you were outside, and the Jews, they were inside. You were far off, they were near. Without Christ, separated. Paul's saying, don't forget your history. Without Christ, you're utterly lost. Okay, and that, that's true for me and probably most of us here. We're Gentiles. I'm not part of the Jewish race. Without Christ, this is my history. Alienated from God and from his people. Excluded, hopeless and godless. And this isn't just an individual thing. Yes, it's true for me as an individual. and Perhaps it's true for you as an individual. But this is a corporate thing. This is us. God always had a plan of one people and we were not part of it because of our sin, because of our rebellion against the Creator. As Paul says elsewhere, we had worshipped idols, created things, not giving glory to the Creator. Don't forget your history. There is one people and we were not part of it. That's one of the reasons we confess our sins together every Sunday. We, we confess because it's good to be true before God, but we also confess together to remember our shared history without Christ separated. We are not entitled to God's favor. We can't call on God because of our pedigree. Look, God, we're a Christian nation. Look, look God, our, our church it, it goes back many years. We, look, God, we even link ourselves to the Reformation. Surely, surely we deserve your favor. Now, of course, those things are good things, but they're like a whitewashed history. Our history books with the bad bits ripped out and a, a black markering covering our, our horrible moments. Paul says, look, look back a little bit further. You were once far off. You were alienated from God. Your pedigree is rotten. It's like in that great film, uh, A Knight's Tale, a, a peasant boy who tries to claim noble heritage and pedigree only to be shown a sham. God's only ever had one track, one people, and it was not you and it was not me, without Christ separated. Now, why do we need to remember this? Well, firstly, it, it shrinks any pride or entitlement. In any relationship to God and his promises is nothing to do with us we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. it. It all comes from him and through him, as we're going to see in a moment. We're, we're like beggars being given a mansion, not spoilt children demanding our inheritance. 
It also should get us big time back into our Old Testament. This is a massive part of our Bible. This is the history of God's people, the the history of the kingdom, of the covenants of promise, of hope, of knowing God himself. It's not irrelevant to the Christian. This is the foundation to the Christian. Know what you've joined. But even if it was true in the past, Gentiles separated from God and his people, what about now? Is there a new separate track for Gentiles? Or or should Gentiles become Jews? But if that's true, then why Jesus? Well, Paul doesn't just want us to remember the historic situation. He wants them to know what's true now. Verse 13, remember, but now. And rather being without Christ separated, it's in Christ. In Christ, both made one. Both made one. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. See something amazing here. He has made us both one. The recurring idea here, both into one. It's there in verse 14 that I've just read. But verse 15, we get one new man in the place of two. Then verse 16, he might reconcile us both to God in one body. Verse 18, for through him we both have access to, to in one spirit, both to one. Both made one. As we've seen, these two were separate. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. And as we've seen, this was a difference of status. One inside, one outside. But it wasn't just that. There was hostility. Verse 14, a dividing wall of hostility. And this dividing wall was centered in the law of commandments and ordinances. Verse 15. Now, what does that mean? Well, just think of some of the Old Testament laws that we know of. You know, male Jews were to be circumcised. All Jews could only eat certain foods and wear certain clothes. God had made them to be different from Gentiles, to stand out, to be holy, to be set apart. They, they weren't to join in with Gentile sacrifices. They weren't to marry Gentiles. They had their, their own way of doing things. They were separate and they were kept separate. But why hostility? Well, Those laws, no doubt, could and did lead to an attitude of scorn, of pride between the two. Like the great dividing wall that sat in the temple courts that did separate Jew from Gentile, these two groups were divided by pride and hostility. Listen to how William Barclay, a Scottish theologian, put it. The Jew had an immense contempt for the Gentile. Until Christ came, the Gentiles were an object of contempt, the barrier between them absolute. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, a funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out. Such contact with a Gentile was the equivalent of death. It's a serious wall of hostility here. Separated, separated in status and hostility. But now, verse 14, he has made both one. One. And what's vital for this is how he's made us one. Verse 14, for for Christ himself is our peace. Then halfway through 15, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace, peace. It's the end of hostility. 
meaning it's oneness that, that's found in Jesus, Jesus alone. And, and verse 15, Paul uses this picture of one man rather than two. Now, why a man? Because it's, it, it, the man is Jesus. It's centered on him, the true child of God. How did Jesus make the two one? Well, it's, in, it's by his blood, verse 13. It's in his flesh, verse 14. It's in the one body through the cross, verse 16. It comes through his death, death on the cross. Now, firstly, as he died, his death abolished, it nullified, it got rid of those laws dividing them. The laws of sacrifices that uh, the Jews were making were fulfilled. The whole ceremonial system with its food laws and clothes laws were completely done away with. They pointed forwards. The true sacrifice had come. He abolished this law of commandments and ordinances so that the source of scorn, the source of hostility was gone. The dividing wall destroyed. But more than that, his death was a reconciling death to God. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body. Christ's death, as we've looked at in previous weeks, has got rid of the penalty of sin. He's removed God's wrath standing over us, opened a way back to God. And the key thing is, this is the same for Jew and for Gentile. God's means of salvation are one. It's exactly the same. The cross reconciles you to God, whoever you are, whether you're Jew or Gentile. And Christ needs to preach that gospel to you, verse 17, whether you are far off or near. To to the Jew, the message is, to be reconciled to God, you need to trust in the Messiah's blood. To the Gentile, to be reconciled to God, you need to trust in the Jewish Messiah's blood. And it's through the same Spirit, verse 18. Through Him we have access in one Spirit. And it's to the same goal, to the Father, the one Father. So there's one people. Before Christ there was one people. There were the Jews, the people of promise. And now in Christ there's still one people. Reconciled Jews in Christ and reconciled Gentiles in Christ. Not not Jews over here and Christian Gentiles over there. It's Christ-believing Jews and Christ-believing Gentiles making a new humanity, a new man. Yes, the Gentiles are are grafted into Israel. They're, They're the distant ones. It's Israel's Christ. It's Israel's King. But the focus is in that King. It's all found in Him. In Christ, both made one. This is amazing. There is a way to God for all of us. You can know God, whoever you are this morning. Rather than being left far off, God brings us near. The awesome, loving grace of God, Christ has brought us near. Praise God. There is a way to him. But it's important to note, there's only one way. You've probably heard the picture that that God is at the top of a mountain and there's lots of different paths to him. Different religions all make their way to the same place. But no, I'm afraid that is just not true according to the Bible. The one people of God have to be united to Jesus. 
Because he's the only one who reconciles us. It's through his one body. We have access in one spirit to the one father. Jews who reject Jesus like, like the Pharisees in his day and, the other, and, and others today will not get to God. Muhammad and his laws will not lead you to God. Just being a good person, following uh, our own rules as well as we can, won't get you to God. Emptying yourself of all attachments and sufferings, reaching for some kind of nirvana, won't get you to God. Believing there's no God and just need to believe in ourselves won't get you to God. Now some will say this is arrogant. You, You may be finding this hard to hear this morning. Perhaps... You think it's proud, it's offensive, and just can't be true. Um, but it, it, in a light way, is saying there's only one bridge to get onto the Isle of Skye, uh, arrogant. Or more seriously, is they're saying there's only one safe way to get out of a burning building. Is that arrogant? Surely it's a loving thing to say. God is one. And he has one way to be reconciled to him through Christ. Come this way. Come via him the true way. Because in Christ both made one. But Paul is showing us more here. Not just that there's a way in Christ. In God's amazing wisdom, because he's created a single way that actually brings peace amongst us all. The dividing wall of hostility disappears, not just between Jew and Gentile, but actually between every Christian. There's no hierarchy. There's no preference. There's no easy route and hard route. It's the same route to God. So there's no boasting. There's no jealousy. There's no bitterness. Imagine joining the Royal Royal Marines. Okay, For some of us, you may be like, yes, fitness, yes, tough assault courses, I'm there. For others of us, this may be a little bit tricky to to try and imagine, but just work hard at it, okay? But to get in the Marines, you have to do a really tough fitness test. You've got to prove you're at a certain level and everyone does it, whether you're a recruit, an officer, a musician, a chaplain. But imagine if it was different, okay? Imagine if once you, a a recruit, did, you did the really tough test, you got in, you passed, and once you're in, you find out that I don't know, the, the, the chaplain, the officers, they, they had a different test. They just had to sit in a nice chair for a bit. They didn't have to prove any of their fitness. Some of them are, are pretty overweight, actually. Now, that's going to breed all sorts of problems, isn't it? The officers would have a pride, a self-importance. The recruits would be bitter, frustrated, not trusting. But no, the same entrance into the Marines, whatever your role, means everyone's equal. There's a mutual respect for each other in that. And in Christ's one's people, there's one way in. Jew or Gentile, male or female, young or old, Australian or Indian, have a PhD, have no qualifications at all. Verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So there's peace amongst us. There's no boasting. There's no hostility at any dividing wall has gone. That's the church. We're one, one God, one Savior, one cross. So we're one people. And so whatever the dividing walls outside of our church, whatever societal barriers and divisions there are out there in the world, they should not be in here. In here we have peace because we know we come to the same God all through Jesus' death.
And perhaps it's the division of the expert and the novice. In our society, the expert has the prestige, doesn't he? The, the, the power. We've seen that so often with the pandemic. The scientist holds sway. And, and, and here in church, we could create the same division. The potential to, to look down on the person who I don't know, hasn't read much of the Bible or is, is weak on their doctrine or something. Or, to, or, or the other way around, to feel less of a Christian because we're, we're new to the faith and we, we, we don't know our Bible well or we, we struggle to read it. But no, there should be no division or bitterness, no jealousy or pride. We're family. We're family here today, one in Christ. We can do it with church snobbery too, looking at a church that has a bit of a bland spiritual diet. Don't let the division of expert and novice appear. Love them, pray for them, help them. We don't get to Christ through our our Bible knowledge or good works, through our knowledge of the catechism or the confession of faith. Those are beautiful gifts and wonderful things. Get to know them. But let them create division amongst us or we've forgotten the gospel. In Christ, both made one. But Paul doesn't want us to stop there. Verse 19, so then. So then, without Christ separated, in Christ, both made one. Lastly, on Christ, built as one. On Christ, built as one. Verse 19, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Sorry, I'm just knocking this. Let me read that again. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. It's amazing stuff. Absolute reversal, if you remember from verse 12. They were once alienated, separated. Now they're fellow citizens. Christ sacrifices work. It's brought uh, those of us who are far off near the church Notice it's a place of citizenship. It's, it's God's kingdom. That's what we're part of, God's one kingdom. There's one king and his one kingdom. But more than that, we're part of God's family, verse 19. Members of the household of God. Remember in chapter 1, God predestined us for adoption. And now, verse 18, we have access to the Father. What a privilege to be part of the one family of God. We're one kingdom, we're one family. And then verse 20, we're one building. And this is the image Paul now runs with, one building. He says how there's, a, there's one foundation, that the building's built on the, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now what does he, he mean by that? Well, it's the apostles and prophets who brought God's word to us declared it to God's people, wrote it down for us. God's word, the truth he's declared to his people in in the Bible, in in scripture, that's the foundation for God's people. We're not built wherever um, and however. If we're built on what God says is true, wonderful. If not, then you're not part of the building. You're off somewhere else, separated again. Like as Jesus said, um, like the foolish man building on sand. Truth matters because God is truth. It's the truth Christ who is our one cornerstone. Our, Our unity, whether in this church or with others, is based on the true gospel. There's one foundation, God's word, and there's one cornerstone, Christ himself. He holds us together. We build on him and we're held by him. And we become the one dwelling place of the one God. Verse 21, we grow into a holy temple. Verse 22, in him you're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
God's people are now the temple. That's where God dwells especially. Now in Ephesus, where Paul was writing to, there was a huge temple to Artemis. It was considered one of the seven uh, wonders of the world. Just try and imagine it. One writer around 200 BC said it, it mounted to the clouds and even made the, the, the pyramids lose their brilliancy, if you can imagine that. Then a few hundred miles away uh, sat another temple built under Herod's rule, grand, lofty in Jerusalem with its courts and sacrifices and priests. And yet both these mighty temples reaching to the clouds, both of them were empty of the living God because he didn't reside there. He had a new temple, his people. Yes, God is with us individually by his spirit, but the more he's dwelling with us, his people, with his temple, his dwelling place, built as one, joined together, verse 21, built together, verse 21, on, uh, 22, on Christ, built as one. We're not just free-flowing kind of agents, utterly separated individuals. We're not like atoms in space. We're being joined, built. We're growing together. We have purpose. We have community. We have friendship. We're family. But nor are we just cogs in a machine. No, each person is different and unique. Jew, Gentile, male, female, Scot, Irish, child, OAP, different personalities, different interests, all designed as different and yet to function together. On Christ, built as one. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And so as we finish, may we have, may we love, may we love our oneness built on Christ. May we love our oneness. We have a, a, a wider oneness. There's, there's one uh, church across centuries and nations. We're one with Christian brothers and sisters in, in the Ukraine, in Afghanistan, in Myanmar. Let's pray for them, support them, care where we can. But also here at Trinity we have a oneness. I have the great privilege this morning of being able to look over us all and see our diversity. And wonderfully it's a diversity that grows in unity. Each individual stone built on the one foundation, verse 21, are joined, are growing Verse 22, are being built. There's a process going on. We're not there yet. God is fashioning us into a temple. He's cutting his stones. He's making us a snug fit for one another. So the building stands glorious as the dwelling place of God. We're brought together by the gospel of Christ. And so we grow together. We grow together as we, we worship together every Sunday. As we form friendships over coffee. As we share burdens as we give supporting words, pointing people to Christ, as we serve one another with acts of love, we pray for one another. We're built as one. And this also means embracing some of the challenges being one brings, as we bring our own differences of vision, of opinions, of temperament. So we learn to help each other. We seek to understand our, our cultural differences, whether different nations, different generations. It's going to be hard. It will involve mistakes, involve forgiveness. It takes focused listening. It takes time invested into one another. 
Perhaps you know this morning there's, there's someone in the church who you're at odds with. Realize you're not just at odds with each other, but at odds with reality. You're, you're one in Christ. You're built as one. You, so go to them. Seek forgiveness. Forgiveness and truth. Christ is our peace. Peace with God and peace with one another. I'm sure if you look back over your many years, perhaps as part of the church, you'll see the many mistakes you've made. But you'll also see reconciliation. You'll see forgiveness, healing conversations. Well, may that continue amongst us. May we be who we are. Once we were without Christ and separated, but now in Christ, both made one. So then on Christ, we are built as one. Amen.